Hello, and welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Taylor Wilkie. I am your host for this season. My guest today is the Reverend Patrick Green, Rector of St. John's Episcopal Church in Barrington, Rhode Island. He is here today to discuss the ep- the episodes, The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, from the second season of the most current iteration of Doctor Who. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you. For most of the season, we've talked about we've uh, we've talked we a lot of our discussions have been theme based, mm-hmm. like the episode that we just recorded with the bishop. Um, is very much about like how much good does one do, and how much how, what drives a priest forward and drives him to do things. Mm-hmm. This is more of a I guess more of a a theological or a dogmatic discussion yeah, that we're about to have. Conceptual. Um, because we're, we're really much going to be talking about the pretty much the idea of mm-hmm. Satan or the devil mm-hmm. and as it as it pertains to this episode. Um, uh, from what I uh, recall from just watching the episode, uh, the, the theme is that the Doctor and Rose, uh, David Tennant and Rose, mm-hmm. show up uh, on a planet that is stuck in the gravitational well of a black hole, which should be impossible um, because a, a black hole sucks in everything that it comes near, but this planet somehow is in orbit around the black hole stationary, which, like I said, shouldn't be. And it turns out that uh, the reason it's stuck there is so that no one else can go there uh because that's where they've locked the root of all evil of... Well, they've made it so people can go. They had that path in, which is how the yeah. miners got there. But they put it there for the uh, prison for the Satan figure. Because mm. if he breaks out, the field around the planet breaks, mm. and he gets destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they end up... That's what ends up happening, and they... Luckily, they at one point they lose the TARDIS, and luckily by the end of the episode, the Doctor finds the TARDIS and rescues everybody. And um, the majority of ever the majority of people live, but as in all good Doctor Who stories, certain ancillary characters don't make it through. <laughs> um, so let let's ask uh, this question first. Um, why did you pick this episode? We kind of made this season kind of like a choose your own adventure. Uh, kind of move, and you you chose this episode particularly. What? Well, why is that? What? Why did you choose this episode? Totally just for Doctor Who. Just um, because you want to not talk really about looking Doctor. forward to talking about Satan and evil and all that. But um, out of all the topics that were listed, uh, Doctor Who is the most appealing. Okay. I don't know if there would have been. I once I got it and started. I watched. Uh, both those episodes, and then started rewatching. Um, I skipped Christopher Eccleston um, and started with David oh, Tennant. That's, that's too bad. Chris is actually a really great doctor. I think he's underappreciated. <laughs> I agree, but I jumped into the middle. Well, yeah, the middle of the first season with uh, David Tennant. So started mm-hmm. at the beginning of his run, um, and I'm not sure if I would have. I mean, it, it's a perfect, perfectly suited for the season because it, it's very much about things our faith talks about in a very explicit way. You don't need to reach for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I wasn't... I'm not particularly well-suited to talk about Satan, but um, 
I wanted to talk about Doctor Who. Well, let's talk about <laughs> Doctor Who first, and I guess, I guess, I guess, really the the first question that comes to that that is asked of any Doctor Who fan when you meet another Doctor Who fan is who is your Doctor? If 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 you could be picked up by somebody by one of the Doctors right now today, who would it be? It is David Tennant, and I've since I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks or however long it's been. I've been trying to figure out why, and I think a big chunk is just nostalgia. Mm. Um, he was the Doctor when I started watching. Oh. Um, so it wasn't his first season. It was probably in the middle to the end of his run. Um, and the things I like about him that draw me to him, all the Doctors share, right? Because they're the same mm. person. Um, they're all kind of whimsical. They're all overly cocky. You know, mm. same fundamental character. So it's really hard for me to pinpoint, but one thing that, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about all the people who play the Doctor that I've seen in other roles. Um, their other roles don't ruin, or, or David Tennant's other roles don't ruin his iteration of the Doctor for me. Mm -hmm. um, watching, is it The Crown that Matt, Matt Smith yes, it was is. on? Currently, yes. Yeah, it, it felt wrong. To, yeah, the, 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 it just didn't go well for me. He did a great job, but it affected how I felt about Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, mm. Whereas Barty Crouch Jr. or um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name from Jessica Jones, the the, the Man in Purple. Oh yeah, yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, um, good. Uh, drawing a blank on the devil he plays mm. in Good Omens. But all yes. those other things, you know, his his run as the Doctor is just perfectly encapsulated as that. And mm -hmm. these other roles that are so different, um, some of which I didn't enjoy, mm -hmm. they don't affect that. Whereas, mm -hmm. um, like I said, Matt Smith playing um, Prince Philip in The Crown, it bled over into how I felt about him as a Doctor. Mm -hmm. Can't really think of Peter Capaldi in anything else or Jodie Whittaker, but... Mm. I'm sure I've seen them. Peter is my favorite doctor. Um, I find that he bring, brings a certain... First of all, it's really great that Peter Capaldi has been a lifelong Doctor Who fan mm -hmm. from the beginning. There, In fact, I think I watched a, 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 an interview with him on the BBC where they brought up a... They brought out like the history of the Doctor Who fan club. And it, cause, cause Doctor Who is so massive that there's a book about the fan club about the show. And, and they haven't, there's a passage in there about Peter Capaldi's letters that he writes to the, that he writes into the writers. And they're like, if we get one more letter from this Capaldi kid, um, we're gonna lose it. Uh, and he, uh, and they found a good, but, but I found he brought a very good, um, like a gravity to mm -hmm. the, to the role. He was yeah. the next Doctor after Matt. Yeah. And I think it was where, if you follow the, the story of from Chris to Peter, mm -hmm. it's a very natural evolution from one doctor to another about mm -hmm. their per, how their personalities change. Yeah. Anyway, so that's enough just general Doctor Who talk. I mean, I could talk like this for another two hours, um, but we are here to talk about theology mm -hmm. and not Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> so let's start with, I mean, the big question who is or what is Satan in the Episcopal faith specifically? Because there are, you know, the in the episode, they do talk a lot about he does the Satan figure does 
list other names that yeah. he's been called by other faiths. So, because we are an Episcopal podcast, let's talk about this specifically the saint figure in the Episcopal faith. So, who is he, and and how did he come to be? So that's tough on two parts. Okay. Um, first, in the Episcopal Church, you're going to get people with vastly different understandings. Um, and that's part of our heritage coming out mm. of the Anglican Communion um, with the Elizabethan settlement kind of mm. putting an end to the fighting from the, the pro-Catholic side and the pro-Protestant side and saying, mm. we're look, we're going to be one church. We're going to stop all this fighting and killing of each other. And we're going to gather around one table with one cup and worship together. And if you want to believe this kind of stuff about it, if you want to believe this kind of stuff about it, that's okay, but we're going to be one together. Um, we're going to have room for a myriad of views. So it, it, it's really hard to, for me ever to say this is the Episcopal take on it, mm. um, with the exception of probably a handful of things that are pretty universal. Mm. And I find so, that we could... <clears throat> I like to put an asterisk on this yeah. podcast to say we are lovers, not experts. Yeah. And yeah. also, we look forward to your letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I was thinking about that question, I started looking through scripture for and, and the prayer book for references um, to where Satan is named. And the prayer book, the most obvious spot is um, baptism, mm. as we are getting ready to baptize, there's a series of questions asked either to the person being baptized or if they're too young to the godparents and parents. And they are, um, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? And do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? There's more questions, but they turn away from Satan and evil to mm. Jesus and God. So in the prayer book, in in that spot, Satan is put forth as that which draws us from coming closer to God, that which mm. draws us away from the love of God and sharing God's love with others, with loving our neighbors. Mm. Um, scripture is, there's a whole lot more. Um, mm. So I started looking at what the, the names meant, because um, we, we get Satan, we get devil, we get Beelzebub, um, Lucifer, get, um, Lucifer, or uh, it's morning light, but which mm -hmm. is Lucifer is the Latin form. Um, and Satan is the word, I think it's Hasatan, it's adversary, um, we get him as uh, tempter at points we get uh, wherever it says devil or demon the Greek word is has to do with slanderer mm -hmm. um, so they all kind of have that same idea as what the, the baptism service puts forward that these things that draw us away from what is true and good the slanderer mm -hmm. gives us an idea about God that's wrong, gives us an idea about the world that's wrong. Mm. Slanderers telling lies or, and painting something in a different picture. Um, 
the adversary is going up against what you know whatever they're averse to so if it's god's adversary it's pushing against that and leading us away from that the tempter is trying to pull us away um, so for me at least that the prayer book and scripture all have this sense of some kind of force or being that works to pull us away from god pull us away from knowing god's mm. love and from sharing that love in our lives mm. now i um that was great that was a very succinct <laughs> answer but now i'm gonna now i'm gonna come at you again okay. um because these are the hard questions this is the whole reason why we're here uh, i was talking to a buddy of mine right before we came down here and uh, he brought up and, and, and because like I said, I was having trouble deciding, you know, what am I going to ask? How do we breach this topic? And and I said, you know, if you, if you could ask, if you could ask a priest one question about Satan, what would it be? And his answer, his question was, and I think I had the same one. If God created man, and man and God created the devil or Satan, Satan is there to tempt us, to stray. Why would God, why would God, if he created man, create a being to tempt us away from what he wants us to be, or even give us that, give us free will in general to be able to stray? So the first part of that question, why, um, I think is a great question and speaks more to probably our understandings about how Satan works and what Satan is being wrong than mm. God, right? Because the first letter of John tells us that God is love. We know God by loving. And if, if that's our definition of who God is, of what God is, what you just described doesn't sound loving to me, mm. right? Yeah. Setting someone up to fail. Um, you're sure some people might get it, but setting up millions, billions of people to fail mm -hmm. just to test them. Mm. That doesn't seem like we can say God is love. Mm. Uh, God is something else, if that's the case, in my understanding. Um, as I was thinking about this earlier, <clears throat> and I think because of the way the episode portrays everything, I, I started thinking about a theologian um, from the early to mid-20th centuries called Bart, who put forth this idea of evil as nothingness mm. um, so it's not really that there is this thing that was created that has this purpose but it's sort of like a tear in a cloth right that hole is there mm. um, it's nothing but it has a real presence there and it pulls on all the cloth around it and, and, and makes it harder for that cloth to remain hole right like think about every pair of jeans you've had once you get a tiny hole in the knee mm. next time you wear them yeah. your whole knees out mm. um, so i think our idea of if the bible tells us that god is love in language that cannot be misinterpreted mm. right it is quite literally god is love um it's not in some imagery it's not in some metaphor that we may have gotten wrong um so that to me takes primacy in understanding these questions so that question your friend asked i think is where we go wrong because mm. um, it's not that god created 
this being to tempt us, but that there's something about creation um, that we find tempting, um, that pulls us away. Um, and I think it is, you know, that there, while it might not be a real thing that God created um, to then allow God to continue to be love, just like that hole in a cloth, there is a real presence and power to it that does, as I was talking about with the baptismal service, pull us away from who we were created to be, pull us away from experiencing God's love, from knowing God's love, from sharing that love. Um, not that God is intending any of that to happen. We can go deeper and say, mm. God created this whole thing, which kind of brought up with the second part of the question of why did God give us free will? Mm. Um, in, in that part, I think is easier to answer because love is not possible without free will. Mm -hmm. Right. If God is love, God created us to, for God to love us and for us to be loved by God, for us to love God, for us to love one another. Mm. And if it's being forced, if we don't have a say in it, it's not actually love. It's something else. It's a very well-designed mm. machine, but it's not love. Does that... Yeah, that's great. That's a really great. That's that's kind of the whole. Um, it's kind of the whole thing, right? You know, it's it's you know we're we're made in God's image, and being made in that image, we do our best to to live up to it. But um, it's not God trying to push us off balance to see how well we've trained or how disciplined we are. Um, it's mm. God giving us the ability to love ha inherently has it in it the ability to choose other than love okay. and that's what creates that mm. tear that nothingness mm. why do you think every religion or every faith system seems to have a Satan figure in it what makes that evil such a common thread throughout humanity I guess. That's a really big question to answer, but... Uh, well, I think... Your second... I think because it's so common throughout humanity is why mm -hmm. every religion has some representation. Mm -hmm. It is a common part of who we are. We all know temptation. We all know some force that works on us to pull us away from doing what we think is right. What we know is right. What we know is good. Um, as Paul says in the letter to the Romans, you know, I, the good I want to do, I cannot do. And the evil I don't want to do, I can't help but do. Mm -hmm. it, that's, it's not specific just to Paul and us Christians. It's, if you look at people, we're, we're broken and messed up and mm -hmm. fallible. Um, we get it wrong over and over and over again. We know what we're supposed to do and we fall short any religion that can be taken seriously is going to try to explain the world it knows, it sees. And if it sees that everywhere, then of course it's going to account for it somehow. And when you get people who you know are just wonderful people and they do something wrong, you're going to come up with a reason. This person's a saint. They would never harm anyone but then they do. Mm. So how do you account for that? Mm. You figure out what that force is. If it's not them, if they're a good person, 
then you think of, you name some kind of force that mm. pushes them into that, that pulls them into that, that tempts them or tricks them or whatever it is. Mm. When those moments of temptation come, or the fallibility of man, or the fallibility of a human, <clears throat> of a person is brought out, how can, as Christians, mm-hmm. can we recognize that and do our best to stay on that, I guess, that righteous path that we that is set out in front of us? Ultimately, we can't, okay. which is why we have Jesus. Right? Okay. Um, God and God's infinite wisdom realized we couldn't do this on ourselves. We couldn't. make that happen so we got the incarnation we got god mm-hmm. becoming human and, and, and living and dying and rising as one of us um and that is one of the great things about our faith in my mind mm-hmm. um, right because we all know people who like i said are just saints they but even they mess up. Mm. You know, we have no examples of someone who did it perfectly. Mm. And that would be incredibly discouraging if that was the goal. Mm. But it's not. Um, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son mm. in order that we might not have life. You know, the, we used to see those John 3.16 signs at mm. sporting events everywhere. No one ever included John 3.17, which goes on to say, indeed, God... Oh, how does it go? Um, something along the lines of, indeed, God sent Jesus in order that they might have life, not to condemn the world, but in order that they might have life and have it abundantly. Right? It's not about condemnation. It's about life. And if we can't do it ourselves, God's going to make sure that happens. So God did it God's self. God became Jesus and took care of everything mm. um, on our behalf. Okay. But that doesn't mean we don't have to try. Uh, mm. I think that's a lawnmower. It's okay. Uh, it happens. <laughs> In, in the intro episode for this season, we have someone going to town on the side of my neighbor's house yeah. with a sand with a with a with a power sander. Yeah. I can tell you, he's trimming some branches hanging over. So if if it's really annoying, we can wait five minutes, and it's just the spot right behind here. Sure. Oh no, <laughs> oh, it's, it, okay. it, it shouldn't be coming through. It, it sounds. It usually sounds a lot worse. Okay. Um, in the <clears> headphones, <throat> and it does on right. the actual recording. I heard a fly fly by yeah that was amazing yeah um um and i watched it on your red book behind you for a while and was if i looked distracted because i'm like oh there's a fly over there um um, uh so so, did i finish my i don't i can't remember if it doesn't matter okay we're gonna keep all this in too it doesn't matter this is just fun um behind the scenes with tea time theology um uh let's talk about the the resilience of man Mm mm-hmm we're living in a culture right now that seems to, and you know, with most, with some, with most of these people, rightly so, that are we're canceling people. We're like we're taking a, a one mistake in someone's life. We're amplifying. We're magnifying it. T- 
times a thousand. And we're pointing, and, and there, are, there are people pointing to those things saying, you're a bad person because you said X or you did Y. And it, it feels as though there is no room for forgiveness in our culture right now. And I'm not seeing us turning, turning a corner away from that anytime soon. How do we as Christians square that with the, uh, I don't want, I want to say forget, not forgiveness, but reconciliation. Yes. Yes. How, how do we reconcile that with, with saying, you know, love thy neighbor, forgiveness is whatever. So we have plenty of examples of what you're talking about, and I can't think of specifics of any off the top of my head, but I'm wondering if it's us pointing our finger at something that someone did so long ago and saying, you're done because you did this wrong thing, or when the news about that one wrong thing from so long ago comes out, they try to brush it away or cover it up or explain it away rather than Mm. saying, all right, look, I was 20 years old. I was an idiot. This is, of course, completely wrong. Mm. This is what I'm going to do to try to make amends. Because that's reconciliation isn't just forgiving and forgetting. Mm. Reconciliation involves fixing what was broken. And I think a lot of what we see that you mentioned is trying to get to forgive and forget rather than to fix what was broken. And that's the, the, the minute, according to the prayer book, the ministry of the church is to reconcile all people to God and to one another through Jesus Christ. Um, it's in the catechism in the prayer book. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is what we're all about. So if someone did something wrong and they're just trying to brush it away and ignore it and hide it or play it down, mm-hmm. then we do have to say, no, hold on. Something was broken here. It needs to be fixed. It doesn't make you necessarily a terrible person, but you need to fix what you broke. Hmm. Um, and we have to model that ourselves, right? Because the church isn't the most innocent of institutions. We've done plenty of mm-hmm. things wrong. So we need to not just say, this is what people ought to be doing. Um, if you want to be a good Christian, you got to do these things and then ignore it ourselves. Um, mm. My seminary has been in the news lately because it's in Alexandria, Virginia, and it was built by parts of it were built by slaves, and they just in the past month or so started paying reparations to descendants of the slaves. Mm. So they were talking about how we needed to be involved, not just we needed to. The ministry of the church is reconciliation, is fixing what's been broken, and bringing everyone back together. They didn't train us to just say those things and teach those things to people, but they started doing it themselves. They recognized that they have this history that's not good, and sure, they could probably be doing more, but they're doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, They're trying to fix that in some way. It's not, you know, we're going to do away with these buildings, they're they're done with, they're canceled, Um, but this was a mistake. We see that now. This is our plan to write it. Um, and I don't see that part in our culture. Hmm. It's, yeah, that was a mistake, but it was 20 years ago. So, you know, I was in college. We all do stupid stuff in college. Or it wasn't that big of a deal. No one was hurt. Hmm. Someone was hurt. It was a big deal. 
Um, yeah, you are stupid. Own up to more than just that, though. Own up to the pain it caused, the harm it did, and try to right that. That's what we need to be doing as the church, modeling not forgive and forget, but a ministry of reconciliation. Mm. It's going back to that idea of evil as that tear in a fabric, a hole mm. in a fabric. It's going to keep tearing if you ignore it. Mm. It's, it's going to keep fraying and it's going to ruin the whole garment. But if you try to patch it together, um, if you can bring it back together, if you can fix that rip, it will last even longer. Our time's just about up. Do you have any final thoughts on specifically this episode of Doctor Who so or, I, yeah. or the discussion in general? So I didn't think about it till a little bit before you got here, um, probably because I'm looking at the bookshelf and see those books by Bart, but that idea mm. of evil as nothing, I don't know if the authors of this episode understood that with having this Satan figure imprisoned around a black hole that is nothing, that's mm. pulling everything away from light and life into nothing and, dark and darkness. Um, but it was brilliant on their part. Um, and I'm going to give them the credit and say that they, you know, they were either read their St. Augustine or Karl mm. Bart, or there's probably a bunch of others who, who talked about this as well. Um, and, and they did a really good job. Um, there's also one line. I think it was in The Impossible Planet. It's in the other set of notes that I told you I lost. Mm. Um, <clears throat> where the doctor is realizing what's going on, that you know, the TARDIS had been lost in the um, solar flare earthquake thing. Mm. Um, and he's asking him, what are you guys doing here? And they said, well, there's this power source. So we're drilling down to it. He's like, oh, you saw something and you didn't know what it was, so you just had to run towards it. I should be mad, but that's just brilliant. That's so human. Um, mm. And that's our problem. It's that that free will, that ability to love gives us this ability to explore and dream and do. And we get in our own ways and we trip ourselves up so easily. Um, going back to the baptismal service, one of my favorite parts is after those questions I talked about, we do the... Um, Apostles' Creed and answer in question form, and then we ask a couple questions of everyone gathered, not just the person being baptized. Um, and it's the baptismal covenant. And the second one is, whenever you fall into sin, will you repent and return to the Lord? And it's, you know, they spent a lot of time word crafting this. It's very deliberate. It's not if, it's whenever. Mm. So it's going to happen. But in that same breath that we say that, there's also the return there. There's also the promise of repentance and being welcomed back. Like I was talking about earlier, that's the great thing about our faith. Mm. We are all broken and messed up, and we cannot do this on our own. But God still loves us and did it for us in order that we can get back to God. Mm. Well, Patrick... It was fantastic having you here. Thank you. Um, if uh, traditionally we ask every priest this, if someone wants to come see you on a Sunday, where should they go? Right, so St. John's is in Barrington, Rhode Island on County Road, 191 County Road. So we have services on Sundays at 8 and 10 in the morning and then 5.30 p.m. up through... 
at least the first Sunday in October, as long as it's warm and light out, we'll be out back for our 5.30 service in one of our gardens. Um, I honestly don't know what else we'll be back to come September. We're slowly bringing things back. Mm. Um, throughout the summer, we do Compline in one of the, in the back garden around a campfire and have s'mores. Um, that might still be going. That's Wednesdays at 8. Um, it'll be on the website and Facebook mm. um, about I, whether or not we're still doing it. I was very bummed because, full disclosure, we're recording this in the summer. <laughs> and I drove up and I saw Lobster Roll Fridays. I'm like, we should have done this on a Friday, right. man. <laughs> um, but so, st- fun stuff always going on around yeah. here, I guess. Yeah. Um, if someone wants to follow you on social media, uh, where should they look or what should Facebook they type into? or Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is fr underscore pat, Father Pat, I think. Um, it's incredibly boring. Um, love to have you follow, I guess. Uh, and I've, on Facebook as well, my name's Patrick Green. If you want to see pictures of my kids, um, that's pretty much all it is at okay. this point. <laughs> nice. um, not the most uh, entertaining. Okay. On social media. And we'll throw all those in the show notes right. um, down below. And, yeah. um, okay, Patrick, it was great being here and it was Thank great you talking so much. to you. Likewise. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the Season 3 music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.